a healthy church. And, and there's a lot of things that define and that make up what a healthy church looks like or what makes a healthy church. We're not going to be able to get into all those today. We could preach for weeks on that topic. Uh, but we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 5 through 11, and look at this situation as, as Paul is talking to the church of Corinth, and we'll kind of set the stage here in just a moment, um, a little bit how there's some things that are just a little bit out of tune with them that he is going to try to, to help correct in their lives, correct in their ministry, correct in their church and in their church family so that they can be a healthy, thriving, growing church. And we will see that here in just a moment. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 11. You can read on screen, or you're more than welcome to in your Bible. Um, but it reads something like this. It says, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. That's probably one of the verses that, that if you've been in church for a while, you've probably heard that more than any. But it, it ties together with, with the greater picture of what Paul is talking about. So it says, So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters... But who God gives, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Good good scripture there. Good word within itself. Um, it's one of those things that we could read and we can just worship within that by itself and just go home and be happy. Amen? But I'm thankful that God gives revelation to His scripture, that God gives instruction through His word for, so that His church, that He wants to grow, that He wants to become a, a fruit-bearing church, what He wants to make bountiful and flourish, He gives us this insight, this wisdom, this knowledge so that we can be more of what He desires for us to be. Amen. And I believe it is all of our desire to be a healthy, growing, flourishing, fruit-bearing, people-saving church. Amen. So, and I feel like we have made grown leaps and bounds. Amen. And and that we we are getting we've got to a, we're getting to good places. God is doing good things. But I'm not one to sit on my haunches. Amen. I'm not one just to sit back and say, okay, this is good. Let's just bask in what's going on right now. But I'm definitely one that wants to see us to continue to push towards, as the Bible says, that mark of the high calling. Amen. To become more like the church of God that He divined and destined to be when He walked upon this earth, and that He Himself began to establish before he left. So we read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 11, this early church. And Paul's talking to the Corinthian church, and he writes before them, and, and, and just a general understanding of what's going on, there seems to be some arguing and debating and some conflict within this church, just trying to figure out who's right, who's wrong, who's better, who's bigger, who's going to do this, and who's going to do that. And he basically says, some of you think that you're a Paul, some of you think that you're a Paulist, and some of you go this way and that way, and you have these opinions, you have these ideas and whatnot. And then he gets into this place. Right, He gets into this scripture where he begins to elaborate on, on what it is, the role that he feels, the role that Paul feels, and all these things. But the, the important part was, was God. And I look at this, and, and we as churches can get, can get in these places where, where we're a good church and things are going well, but there's things that need to be tuned up, things that need to get better, things that God wants to work and expound upon. Maybe a good foundation, like Paul said, has been laid, but he's like, oh, hey, let's build on that. Right? Who, you all know you can't live solely on a foundation. You ever tried that? 
You go to one of these places up in, you know, somewhere where they build a good foundation. I'm sure Mark's seen, seen plenty of them. And they build a good foundation. You go out there, you see anybody just living on that foundation and say, this is all that I ever wanted. This is all, this is my dream house right here. This pad of concrete with a bunch of rebar in it and everything like that with a clear views of everything around me. This is everything. No, because you can't live in a foundation. It's a foundation to build upon. And I believe that God has helped establish a good foundation within our church, within our body of believers. But He also wants us not just to say, that's a good foundation, and just walk away. He says, now let's, let's build something on it. Amen. So how do we build something on this foundation? How do we become a healthier, more thriving church? And these are just a few ways. There's many, many ways that Scripture dictates. We may even go into some of them at another point. But these are the ways that we can to, to sit on my heart this week. The first one I want to talk about is to know your role and to, to feel it. To know your role and to feel it. Let's look at verse 10 again. This is Paul. It says, According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. Paul understood his role in the whole scheme of things in the early church. They they probably didn't call it that back then, but he is what we would call a church planner. He says, I'm going to go on these mission trips to the surrounding area, Asia Minor, and we're going to go up into some of Europe and things like that. I end up going over into Rome and everything like that. And I want to establish these churches through Greece and, and, and these different areas around the Mediterranean Sea. I want to establish these churches. I want to get them thriving. I want to get some leaders built up. But he says, then I hit the road. He says, I build that foundation. That's my role. But he says, it's somebody else's role to build on it. He says, I know my role. He, he, I don't know his, maybe he said, I, I'm not a pastor, right? Maybe he said, I'm not the one that's going to stick around for 20, 30, 40 years. I want to come in. I want, we're going to do some great stuff. We're going to have some hallelujah meetings. God's going to move in a great way. Then I want to go up the road. And I want to leave a Timothy. And I want to leave an Apollos. And I want to leave a this one and that one behind to continue the work. But he says, that's not my role. I know my role to build foundations, to go out and start churches. But then I move on. Yeah. And then I continue to do my role and allow other people to fulfill their role, right? He said there's others that are going to stay in this community to fill these leadership roles as pastors, as deacons, as elders, as these prayer leaders, as these ones that are going to help the next generation come and flourish and become who God needs them to be. The one that's going to help change the culture of not just this group of people, but the culture of the city to, to fight against some of the things that are going on in some of these places that were just awful places of, of, of all kinds of sexual immorality and trade and, and greed and all kinds of things that were going on. He says, I'll do my part. He says, there's others who have this other role. Amen. Bless you, Lord. I grew up in church my whole life, right? My dad's a pastor. Um, and he would tell you his role was not the one to stay 30, 40 years, right? Um, and I, I think I've told this before. He rarely made it two years. He came in like a whirlwind and he left like a whirlwind, right? That's just what my, and my dad would tell you that. My dad would tell you that. That was his role. We've been all kinds of churches. And I say that to say, I've been a lot of Christmas plays and Easter dramas, right? And as a young kid, I would often be cast as the shepherd, or sometimes even the sheep, right? And I was a kid, and that was my role. But man, I always, when I was a shepherd, I always wanted to be a wise man. 
I wanted that role so bad. They got to dress in the fancy stuff. I'm here in, in burlap and, and just old, you know, old sheets and stuff. And here they are, and it looks like they're in fine linens and satin and everything. And they decked out and they chromed out and they all this stuff. And they carrying these nice gifts. And they get to give Jesus. I bring a sheep, and they get to bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And it's like, I want that role. Right? I was like, here I am, a shepherd. How do I get to be that? And then I got to be the white man. I said, man, it would be pretty cool to be Joseph. Father of Jesus. Getting to raise the Messiah. Teach him about Christ. And I was like, oh, that's a cool role. I'd like to have that role, right? And, you know, I'd move and whatnot as I got older and, and different things. But looking back, and we don't recognize this as, as children or whatnot, but it's, it's a good example for how we are in churches sometimes, right? We come in and, and God places us in a situation and with a role. He, he gives us a role. He clearly defines it through a need in the church or through a, a calling in our life or whatnot. We know that's a role. But how many of us sometimes sit in that role and we're like, man, that other role looks pretty nice. I'd like to, to maybe maybe have that role. And then you get in that role. And you piddle with it and you tinker with it and you see another role and say, man, maybe, maybe I'd like to have that role. And we, we want us to be in a maybe a different role at times. But what I want us to understand and what Paul kind of is, is telling us here is that the role that you have, you have. You have for a reason. You have for a purpose. You have for this time and in this season to do something that God has called you to do. And whatever role it is that you have, do that role as best as you can do it. Amen? Do it as best as you can, as heartily as you can, with as much effort, with as much passion, with as much desire, with as much, with as much zeal as you can. Do that role. Whatever it may be. If you're a shepherd, be the best shepherd that church has ever seen, right? You come up and you've got the sheep and you put mud on your face and you went and you lived with sheep for a couple of days before the play so that you would understand the meaning of what it means to be a shepherd. And you come in and you're that best shepherd that church has ever seen because you know it's your role. And you're going to give it your best. Doesn't matter what happens tomorrow, doesn't matter what comes with it. This is your role. This is where you're at. This is what God has called you to. And you're going to give it your best thing, but the best that you can do, because you know this is where you're at right now. And this is what God has called you to right now. And this is where God has placed you right now. And this is what He is moving in you to do. This is what He needs you to do. What He's asked you to do. What He's required of you to do. So the Bible says, do everything as heartily as unto the Lord. Amen. The roles that we feel isn't being done. I, I'm not being a pastor just for you guys. I'm being a pastor unto the Lord, right? These fellows aren't deacons just to you guys. They're deacons as unto the Lord. Our youth leaders aren't just youth leaders to the youth. They're youth leaders as unto the Lord. Everything we do, we do as heartily as unto the Lord. Know your role and Feel your role. And there's plenty of people who go and they sit in church and they don't know their role. Maybe it's they don't know it. Maybe it's they don't want the role that they thought they're being called into. Maybe they're afraid of the role they're being called into. But they're not actively participating in a role. God will give clarity to that. God will give clarity to that. There's some situations with Paul and Timothy where Paul goes to Timothy and he says, Timothy, I laid hands on you. I saw the gift of God that was within you. There might become opportunities where somebody says, hey, this is a role that needs to be filled. 
fill the role that God has offered you, right? There's other situations where God just moves within you and you know it, right? When I, when I was 13 years old and I went to, that, I went to a, a revival or whatever it was, and I just prayed and I knew and, and I had this feeling and I sent out fleeces and I sent out fleeces and God just spoke and spoke and spoke. And no matter that everybody else around me would have thought, thought I was crazy when I announced my calling, I knew it was my calling. I knew it was my role. So I stepped into my role. But know what your role is. And feel it to the best of your ability. Amen. And you'll be like, well, I don't want this role for the rest of my life. And I'm here to tell you that roles change. When I first started preaching for the first 10, man, I don't know how. Long time, I mean, for at least first 10 years, maybe longer than that. I don't know. I guess I can't. I, I just evangelized. Um, and there for a good period of it, once I kind of got. My name got around and, and, and everything, and, and the Lord established my ministry. I mean, I was preaching somewhere different about every Sunday. I mean, I was holding several multiple revivals throughout the year. I was preaching constantly. That was my role. But then there came a time where God called me here, right? He, he established that as my new role. And that is now the role that I feel, that I am a pastor. I am an overseer of this church, of this community, of, of this body of believers. And then those that are outside that are in need of, need of saving, I'm an overseer of those as well. That is my new role. And one day we don't, maybe one day I get older, right? And I get old and feeble-minded and I just, I, the Lord moves within me and says, it's time to hand it off to another generation. And my role becomes that of an assistant or a mentor or a guide or an elder in some way, fashion or form. My role may change again, but our roles change. Yeah. And we need to be cognizant of two things. One, we need to make sure that we don't wait too long to enter into a role that God has called us to. And two, we don't need to stay in a role longer than God has called us to. Right? There are some times and there are some situations and we've seen in churches where, where we hold on to, to this is my role and I, it's going to be my role to the day that I, that I die. Right? That I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it even though I might get to a place where there, God has called somebody else to do it. And I might get to a place where God has wanted to move in a different direction. This is my role. Both things can be unhealthy if you fail to enter into your role when God calls you to or if you fail to exit your role. When God calls you to. Both things are things that we need to be cognizant of and aware of because if we wait too long or we stay too long, it can be dangerous and unhealthy for the church that we live in, right? So we need to be aware of that. The Holy Spirit, He tells us these things. He He causes us these things. And He helps us to understand, but we have to, to listen. We have to listen. So we have to know our role and we have to fill it. We have to fill it with all kind of zeal and the best of our ability do it as unto the Lord. If it's if it's scrubbing floors, or if it's preaching the gospel, or if it's singing great songs, or if it's this, that, and the other, whatever it is that you are called to do, you do it. Right? We have ladies that work in, in, in on, on Sunday mornings. It's a thankless job sometimes. It's a difficult job sometimes. There's a lot of nasty diapers in there sometimes, right? That I wouldn't want to touch, and most of us wouldn't want to touch. But they do a thankless job, and they do it as hardly as unto the Lord. You can ask the deacons. It's not always being easy being a deacon, right? You get calls, and you get talked about, and you get things said about you sometimes when leadership goes a direction that some people don't want you to go. And, and it's hard and difficult, but these fellas do it as hardly as unto the Lord, I believe. And that's what we all need to try to fulfill in our roles is to do it to the best of our ability each and every day, each and every opportunity to live it out as we would if God was there sitting with us. Be that role as if God was there with you. Amen. Because ultimately, He is. What He goes on to begin to talk about, it says, He says that we fit together. Right? I love this verse in verse 8. 
and, and I'm, I'm sure I've read this, but this just stuck out to me. He said, now he who plants and he who waters are one. I love that. Do you understand what he's saying? He says, now he who plants and he who waters, he said, I'm the one that plants. Paul is the one that waters. He says, we are, are one. We are one. Now, we all know, some things are are better together. Right? Peanut butter and jelly are better together. I wholeheartedly believe that. Um, biscuits and gravy are better together. Now, I'm, I'm the weirdo that personally likes the white pepper gravy more than grease gravy. You might say, well, you can't be a pastor here if you like that. But that's just, just how I am. But biscuits and gravy, whichever way you take it, is better together. And, and I, I prefer pizza and ranch together. You know, I like to marry those two and, and, and everything like that. Now, some might not like that, but I like that. They're better together. Now, so those, some of those things might be up for debate, but there's some things that are ultimately better together. But I want you to understand that we, as a body of Christ, are better together. We are meant and created and crafted and molded by God Almighty to fit better together than we do independently as as individuals. The church is better when we're coming together. And that's what he's saying here. That's what Paul says here. He says, you know, look look at this, guys. He, 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 he's talking to this church. Really, he's talking to this church that, that's having some conflict, and this one says this one, this one says that one. And there's a little bit of division. There's a little bit of frustration. There's a little bit this one, that one, and trying to get whoever, you know, gets on the top, and, and who's the chief and whatnot. He says, listen. He says, the one that, that plants and the one that waters, he says, we're one and the same. We're the body of Christ fulfilling the same mission and purpose. We might be doing it in different ways, and we might have different roles that we, uh, we fulfill in accomplishing this, but we are one in the same, the body of Christ. We fit better together. As the church, when we are working cohesively and congruently together, we are better. But I think there's two ways that the church oftentimes falls in, in this, and, and they kind of oppose this working together. Either there's sometimes there's individuals or there's groups or sometimes the church in general tries to do too little, and then on the other side there's some that try to do too much. And that's the reality of it. And both are not healthy for a, for a church if it wants to thrive, if it wants to grow, if it wants to become what God wants it to be. The ones that do too little, they, they don't contribute the gifts and the abilities and the callings that God has, has given them. They sit in church, they come, and they like to, to, to just watch and observe, and they enjoy being a body, part of body of believers. But they have gifts and things that God has placed within them to use, and we're failing to, to use it. And there's others that, that try to do too much. It's that hero syndrome kind of thing, where you just try to do each and everything and everything, and that leaves no space for other people to grow and to mature into the leaders that God wants them to be. Right? If a church isn't making leaders, it'll eventually die. That's the reality. The reason Paul was so successful is part of his role, he would come and build a foundation. Part of that foundation was he left other leaders behind. He developed Timothy. He developed Apollos. He developed Barnabas. He developed all these other ones and helped raise them up into figures of leadership within those local churches so that he could go on and continue to do what God wanted him to do. So if we as a church aren't allowing room for leaders to, to grow and to flourish and to become better leaders... 
then we're not just failing God, we're failing ourselves and we're failing the community around us. So we can't be those that do too little, we can't be those that do too much, we have to find that balance. That balance isn't always easy to find. I'm not going to say it is. It's a hard balance to, to meet, to not to do too little and not to do too much, but to all come together and do what God has called them to do. To call them to do. And I feel like we as a church, we do pretty good at this. I really do believe that. But I want us to understand two things. One, that didn't happen overnight. That just isn't something that we just woke up one morning and we all were kind of serving in the right capacities and the right roles and whatnot like that. That didn't happen overnight. And two, it can go away very quickly. It can change and fade away just because it's us growing too lax or growing too egotistical or whatever it may be. It can very easily begin to crumble and shift into something that we don't need to be. And we need to be aware of that. And because of those things, we need to always be watchful of how we as individuals are contributing as a church body. Amen? As a church body. The, the, the way that God developed a church is that it's a healthy church. A healthy church is full of individuals that are contributing in the right roles and in the right amount. Amen? That they are contributing in the right way that God has called them to contribute and they're not doing too much and they're not doing too little. They're doing exactly what the Holy Spirit has led them to do. And that's what God desires for the church. That's what a healthy church looks like. You have people, everybody comes together to contribute what God has called them to do, what God has given them the ability to do, and what God has allowed them to do, and they're doing it in the way and the manner and the amount that God has established. The church as it was established through God was meant to be a gathering of uniquely crafted individuals that could accomplish more together than they could alone. Right? I love preaching the gospel. I really do. I I love elaborating upon the nuances of Scripture, uh, bringing to light things from cultural aspects and historical aspects and and even from from the language aspects of Scripture and and bringing it to light and bringing revelation to that and, and just reading Scripture and God revealing things to me to reveal to you all. I love that, right? But we as a body of believers can do more together than I could preach against sermon every day for the next 365 days on my own. Nothing. That's, that sounds strange. No, that's the reality. Because guess what? There's how many of us here? 30, 40-ish? I don't know. I don't care. Somewhere along those ways, about another 10 back there and whatnot. If each one of us contributed what we were called to contribute, then guess what? We are more effective, we are more efficient, we are more closely pursuing and looking like the church that God has called us to be, and we can see more get done than if it's only laid upon the shoulders of three, four, five in leadership. The church wasn't meant, and God didn't establish, and Paul didn't leave behind this presence, that it was just meant to be a few people do everything, and everybody else just comes and watches. This isn't a spectator sport. And I like spectator sports. But God calls us to be on the field, to be on the court, to be active, to be integrated, to be engaged in an effective way, in a way that God desires for us to be engaged and not just say, well, Gilbert will do it or Jacob will do it or Esther will do it or Mark will do it or yada, yada, yada will do it, but that we all come together 
to do what it is that we are called and capable of doing, that God has gifted us with these talents and abilities and fill that role in the right amount, in the right time, in the right season. And when all that comes together, it fits together perfectly. Yeah, me and Gilbert and Mark and some other, you know, we might be able to force a couple pieces together and make something that works for a little while. But ultimately, that thing's going to wear thin real quick and break apart. But when we all come together, when we all come together and do and fulfill the roles that God has called us to do, whatever it may be, no matter how little or how big it may look like in our eyes or other people's eyes, we're all doing the roles that we're called to do. And guess what? We all bear the weight together. We all shoulder the, the, the burden together. We get closer to God together. We are more faithfully accomplishing what God has called us to do. And we're, our reach is farther. Our reach is stronger, our reach is greater, and we're able to see God accomplish and do more through us when we come together. Man, when we come together. But ultimately, I want to... We'll close with, with this topic, this idea. And it's ultimately about the end result. Now understand what I'm, what I'm trying to say about that. Okay? Let me be vulnerable with you all for just a minute. Sometimes, I catch myself as, as a pastor um, caught in the comparison game that social media and Facebook likes to drag us into. Right? And I can leave church and have a great service and feel like God did what He was supposed to do and we answered and we moved up to it. And maybe sometime that week I go home and, and, and I see a post from another church that saw two or three get saved, right? Or revival just broke out. And it's very hard for part of me not to be like, man, I want to see some. I, I wish we would have had seen somebody saved. I'd like to see that thing. And, and not just in a want to see people saved kind of thing, but in a comparison kind of thing, right? In a, a little bit of jealousy in my heart kind of thing. In a little bit of not being content with what God is is doing kind of thing, right? Not not a healthy, I want to see people saved. We also have that desire, but in a sinful kind of, I wish that was us kind of way. In a selfish, greedy kind of way, right? And that's just me being vulnerable. But I want us to realize that that, that same men- mentality can happen within churches. It's easier for us to sit in church and look around and and see this one singing and praising the Lord and God moving in that way. And see this other one leading this part of ministry and things going great in this way. And we sit there and we're faithfully doing what it is that we feel like that God has called us to do. We're fulfilling that role. We're consistently doing it. We're doing what God has called us to do. But it's not as flashy. It's not as flashy. It's not as what doesn't seem as important maybe on the outside looking in. And it gets overlooked sometimes and we think, man, I wish I had that ministry. I wish that was happening in my work. I wish that was happening in what God had called my, me to do. I wish my role wasn't as effective as that. And, and the enemy will begin to speak into you that you don't have a purpose, that what you do isn't important, that what you do doesn't matter to the church, that you don't need to go to church, that you don't need to be part of a church, that you're not making a difference, that people aren't going to get saved because of what you do, that people aren't going to get changed because of what you do. You're not necessary. But I want you to understand it's not about what I do this and who did that and this one did this one and this one prayed a sinner's prayer with somebody and this one helped somebody escape addiction and this one helped somebody walk out of the doors of a bad thing going on in their life and this one did this and this one did that and Holy Ghost moving in their situation. It's not about that. It's about what God's doing. Amen. Amen. And that's what Paul says. He says in verse 6, he says, I planted Apollos water, but that don't matter anyway because it's God 
who gave the increase. He shifts the focus off of what was what they were doing to the focus on what God was doing. Amen. And the devil would like you to focus on what each and every other person in the church is doing and for you to compare yourself to each and every one around you. He would love for you to look at every other church in the community, in the county that you see on TV, that you see on Facebook, and, and compare your church and your family and your body of believers to that one. But it doesn't matter because it's about what God is doing. Amen. It's about what God is accomplishing in each person, each individual, each church, each body of believers, each family fulfilling the role that God has called them to fill. But we do get so caught up sometimes in who's doing this and who's doing that and this one's that and this one's another and, and things are going great for this one and, and, and God's just blessing their ministry and God's just blessing their role and they're blessing in this class but maybe not in my class or they're blessing in this service but maybe not in this service and yada, yada, yada. If God's blessing, God's blessing. That's what we should focus on and celebrate. Amen? I don't know if you know this but I've never run in a relay team. Not once. Um, I'm just not a runner, right? Uh, but in a relay team, is it only the person who crosses the finish line that gets the medal? No. It's everybody on the team because they each played a part in accomplishing the greater goal that the team set out, right? In the working of God in our lives, in our community? Is it only the family or the individual or the church that leads somebody in a sinner's prayer or sees somebody escape the chains of addiction that should celebrate God's working and moving? No. We should all celebrate. The Bible says when one is saved, the angels in heaven rejoice at just one escaping hell. So we too should rejoice when one is radically and forever and eternally changed and saved by the grace and mercy and love of Jesus Christ. It shouldn't just be something we say, well, I'm glad that happened for them, but I am glad that happened for Jesus and for the kingdom of God. Amen? That I'm not just glad that this one's ministry is going well or this one's doing good or this role is being fulfilled or God's blessing this person's obedience. I'm just glad He's blessing. Because there's a lot of people would have you believe that God stopped blessing a long time ago. There's a lot of people that have you believe that He stopped saving a long time ago. Yeah. But when we hear of the moving work of God, we should rejoice. Whether it be in my family or your family, our church or another church, if someone's saved, it's saved. Right? If someone's redeemed, they're redeemed. If someone's received the mercy and love of Jesus Christ and that gift to be a new creature in Christ Jesus, it's something for us all to rejoice about. Because we don't know. Maybe we played that role. The one that cleans the floors, the ones that mows the lawn, the one that teaches the youth, the one that does this and that and the other. You might not think you played a role, but maybe you did. You were here, you were obedient, you did what God called you to do, and that played a part. Now we might never understand it. We might never on this earth realize the impact that we had by faithfully doing the role that we are called to do. But it's not about us getting the rewards up down here. It's not about us receiving some kind of accolades down here. It's the end result of somebody's life being changed. Amen? I would love to go down 
as a Billy Graham kind of person who just really brought the gospel and lives were changed. But if I go through life and one person was saved and one person heard my testimony and one person heard my sermon and my preaching and being obedient to God and me fulfilling my role and just a handful was changed, just a handful accepted God or just a handful grew closer to Him and become better Christians and better fathers and better mothers and better churchgoers because of something I said and fulfilling my role, that's what matters. By us fulfilling our role, we don't know the impact we had. I don't know who sang the song or sings the song or whatnot. But I love biblical, I don't know what there's precedence for it. But I love this idea of the song where it says, you know, I went to heaven. And the Sunday school teacher talks about all these little kids or all these other ones that came up to them when they got to heaven and saying, you, you told me about Jesus. You taught me about His love. And I went through difficult times and I went through difficult seasons, but I never forgot what you taught me when I was a young person. And when I got older, I got saved and I came to the Lord and I realized that what you said was right and what you said was good and what you said was necessary. And I turned around then. I don't know if that will happen in heaven, but we can live and go to rest and die knowing if we faithfully fulfill our roles that we did make an impact in somebody's life. Because God wouldn't ask us to be obedient in something if it wasn't needful. God wouldn't call you to do something if it wasn't necessary. God wouldn't have a a position for you, a role for you, a title for you, a thing for you to do if it wasn't going to help somebody get closer to God or get saved. If He's called you to it, there's a meaning for it. If He's put you in that place, there's a reason for it. If He's got a role for you, it's because it's doing something impactful and necessary for the kingdom. So don't let the enemy sit there on his on his throne of lies and say, hey, this, that, and the other about what you're doing. If God's put you there, He needs you there because somebody's going to need you there when, when that time comes, right? It might be that somebody comes along, Austin, when you're mowing the yard and say, I needed to come to, to church, but there's nobody else here. Will you pray for me, right? I love the. I think it's Philip, the Bible says, that he was just taken from one place to another and he went down by the river and he found an Ethiopian eunuch. And nobody else was there to talk to that Ethiopian eunuch but Philip was. Amen. And Philip was where God needed him in that moment, in that time, filling the role that God needed him to, so that the eunuch could hear the word of God taught to him and preached to him, so that he would be saved. And we understand through history, he goes back to Africa and that the move of God in, in, the, in the Christian religion came about through that interaction with the Ethiopian eunuch. Because somebody filled a role that didn't seem necessary. It's one person. It's one person in a chariot down by a river that's an Ethiopian eunuch. Why do? Why am I here, Lord? It's the role that you're called to feel. And it's the end result that matters. It's the end result that matters. You might not get accolades. You might not get praised. You might not get noticed. You might not even seem important to yourself. And people might not think... Give a second thought to what you're doing. But it's the role that God has called you to do. There's a reason He has called you to do it. And the end result is what matters. The end result is what matters. You played a part. And we all celebrate when one is saved and delivered from the grasps of hell. So here's my challenge to you today. We don't have service next week. Come back and we'll say it's summertime, which I don't know technically it is. But over this 
little break. I want you to ask yourself, what is your role in the church? And are you faithfully filling it? What is your role in the church? And are you faithfully filling it? I'm not just talking to young adults. I'm not just talking to those with white heads. I'm not just talking to those that are members. I'm not just talking to the men. I'm not just talking to the women. I'm not just talking to any group. From the youngest to the oldest that is here, what is your role in our church? And are you faithfully filling it? And I want you to think about that over the next couple weeks before we come back together. I want you to really ask yourself that. Not just give some surface level answer that I'm a a member that comes and yes, I come. What is the role that God has called you to do for the kingdom of God and are you faithfully filling it? Ask yourself that. Cry over it. Get down and get humble and get vulnerable and get honest with yourself about it. Because we got a good foundation. But if we want to build, we're all going to have to be fulfilling our roles, right? Because guess what? There might be a bunch of carpenters, but we put up the we put up the carpentry and we put up the studs and we put that up. Somebody needs to come back and do electrical. Somebody needs to come back and do plumbing. Somebody needs to do sheetrock. Somebody needs to do windows. Yada, yada, yada. Everybody has to be doing their role if we're going to build from this foundation and go any farther, right? You've got a good foundation. Don't just sit there and look at that foundation, drinking your sweet tea and thinking everything's fine and dandy. There's still a house to build. And you have a role in building it. So ask yourself, what is the role that I need to be filling in my church? Am I faithfully filling it? And here's what we're going to do. When we come back, I'm not going to do it just as a congregational thing and we all say Amen. I'm going to try to take time out of my weeks when I get back. And I'm going to talk to each and every one of you. I'm going to say, what is your role in our church? What is God calling you to do? If you don't know, let's let's have a conversation about that. Let's look at what God has gifted you to do. And let's see where you fit. Right? If you do know, but you feel like, man, I'm not feeling it. I'm going to say, hey, well, let's figure out what needs to happen. What, 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 where do we need to put you? What needs to go on so that you are fulfilling the role that God has called you to do? Because you won't be fulfilled in your relationship with God until you are doing the thing that God has called you to do. We're not talking work salvation here. We're not talking earning our way to heaven. We're talking being pleasing to God. And if you have a desire, if you've been saved by God, we talked about this morning, you will have a desire to be pleasing to Him. And that means fulfilling your role. So we're going to go through that, right? You might think, well, I'm old. I can't do anything. I've got a prayer list made. I want a prayer team that faithfully communicates and talks about these things and prays and cries out to God about these things on the prayer list, right? You might say, well, I'm young. Well, guess what? I get Hunter up here every time to, to, um, to take up the offer, and he's got a little bit louder as he's praying lately, I've realized, right? There's a role. What is your role? Are you faithfully feeling it? And you think, well, I'll just skip the next Sunday. I'll ask you whenever I see you. <laughs> I'll have a list. And I'll be like, I haven't talked to this one yet. And we haven't talked to this. I want to message the group. We're going to post a sermon. There's some that aren't here today that I want to ask them the same question when we come back anyway, right? I'll get you. I'm Santa Claus. I've got a list and I'm going to check it twice. And I'm going to make sure everybody has to answer this question. Because it's pertinent to the future growth. And you might be like, I'm old and I'm not going to be here. Guess what? Your grandkids might. Somebody else's grandkids will be. And they need a church that is united and that is faithfully fulfilling the call of God in their life. That isn't just a good foundation, but that's built a house of the Lord. That has built a house of the Lord. David said, Lord, I want to build a house. He said, it's not meant for you to do. You build the foundation. You establish the kingdom. He said, your son will build that house. You might be like, 
It might not be meant for me to know. If you're here, you have a role. If you're still breathing, you have a role. If you still feel that unction of God in your heart, you have a role. And you need to be faithful living it out. So ask yourself that. Ask yourself that this week, next week, before we come back. Have some talk with yourself. Have some talk with your spouse. Have some talk with your family. What's your role as an individual? What's your role as a couple? What's your role as a family? And let's talk about it when we get back. Amen. So that we can build this house. I'm ready to build a house. A house that God would be pleased with. A house that people would come and they'd say, that city that's set up on a hill, that new Canaan, yeah, they've built a house. And I want to go inside and I want to see who lives in that. And they can experience the love and the patience and the forgiveness and mercy of God. We've got to build the house. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful.